Today, we are talking up to Romana King, award-winning personal finance and real estate expert and director of content at Zolo. For the past two decades, she's advised homeowners, home buyers, sellers, and investors how to make strategic, smart real estate decisions. She's written a book called House Poor No More that we're going to be talking a little bit about today. And today's topic is all about nine tips for creating a strategic approach for home ownership. So I am really excited to get into this. I am a real estate investor myself and a homeowner, so I think this is great. So welcome, Romana. Great to be here. So the first question is, why is it important to take a strategic approach to home ownership? Great first question, because I think that's, I mean, that's the, the genesis of why I wrote the book. I think when we look back to our, our parents, maybe our grandparents or our great-grandparents, buying a home was just kind of like a, a check off on the adulting list. You know, like I'm an adult, I buy a home. Yep. That's how we do it. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, forethought about how it's an investment or it's going to help with retirement. And in the last few decades, things have fundamentally shifted with the real estate market. I mean, we have so many headlines, the federal budget, you know, sort of obviously emphasized how important it is that home ownership be accessible and affordable because it really is a large chunk of our budget. And so for the last couple of decades, there's been a bit of a shift or a transition into looking at an real estate, not homes necessarily, but real estate as an investment. The problem is, is that homeowners, we're not given any manual when we buy a home. Uh, we're not told how to actually position our home as part of our you know, wealth accumulation tool. And so we're sort of stuck in between, and we're not given any formal education in our, in our Canadian system for financial literacy. So we're sort of stuck in between kind of trying to decide, is this a cost or an investment? Is this a place where I live or is this an asset? Is it investment or is it, uh, you know, a liability? And and so I think it's very hard for homeowners or people who want to be smart about being a homeowner to try and position it instead of cobble together some information. So I wrote a book to try and provide that missing piece. And part of the, the, the genesis of it is we need to be strategic. And that starts with, and I, I know that's sort of giving you lots of information, but that actually starts with not being burdened with whether or not the purchase of a, of a home, and this is different than a fin, uh, an investment property, but whether or not a home purchase is a good sound financial investment. And, and that's going to blow people's mind. What? What do you mean that's not the, the primary reason? But it's not the primary reason why we buy a home. And I hear a lot of discussions around that. Is my home an investment? Is it not? And it's like, well, we all need a place to live. Um, so even if you're not buying a home, you still, you're paying, you know, rent or whatever. So I can totally understand that. So Somebody's ready to buy a house or they maybe they own a house right now. What are, I know you have nine tips for a strategic approach to smart home ownership. Can we, let's start. What is one of the tips or the first tip? So the first tip I talk about, whether you are already a homeowner, you're an investor, or you're thinking about about purchasing a home, you need to, to goal set. You need to actually have goals and have a plan. And there's a lot of evidence about goal setting. There's a lot of evidence about plans and not making emotional decisions. And when you look at that bulk of that evidence, it actually applies to every financial decision we make, including buying a home or home ownership. And so the first step I suggest to everyone is have a plan, set your goals. And part of the goal setting, I I try and debunk this idea, and I've I've mentioned it already, is your home doesn't need to be, the the primary reason doesn't need to be it's a good financial investment. If, If you're buying in a really hot market, let's say if you're buying in the greater Toronto area or the greater Vancouver area, if you look at it mathematically, you'd be insane to buy a home. I bought a home during that time. Lots of people have bought homes during that time. So how do you how do you actually get through that cognitive dissonance? 
It's through goal setting and planning. If you have a plan of buying a home based on your financial needs, your financial budget, your financial goals, you can actually buy even in a hot market. And so that's why I say the first step is goal setting, financial planning. When you have that in place, it makes it a lot easier to make smart decisions. And I think that's a great point about the emotions because homes is a very emotional decision, right? And there's tons of emotional baggage wrapped up with that, right? And that's, I think we get a lot from our parents as far as you have to buy a home and you must, renting is losing money and all of these emotions. Um, So I think that goal setting is a really good perspective to think about and something that I definitely, I think I had a goal to own a home, but that was what that meant. I don't even know. Right. (laughs) So I think that's a really good tip. It's like, it's like the goal was suddenly get a home and then you have a home and you realize, Oh, Oh, wait a minute. This is a lot of value to this home and it costs a lot. And you don't realize that it's actually a milestone, not a goal. So what's my actual goal? And a lot of people, when they're goal setting, they realize purchasing a home has actually very little to do with the financial aspect and more to do with the emotional. I buy a home because I want security. I want stability. I want safety. I want, I want, you know, imminent domain. I want to be able to decide what I want to do. I want to paint the wall red. I want to paint the wall red. And I don't want someone to tell me I can't do that. So those are all really good financial, uh, sorry, really good goals, really good reasons, but they've got nothing to do with finances. And so that's why people need to sort of take a step back and realize I'm allowed to buy a home for emotional reasons. But once I've decided that, and once I understand that, how do I make smart decisions financially as a homeowner? I love that. I totally agree. And giving us permission, you know what I mean? To just buy with emotion because it is a home and it's not it, like it's where you live. And there's so many emotions wrapped up with homes, especially if you're a family or, you know, you're going to live there for a while, your kids and all that. So I totally get that. So the first tip is goal setting. Love it. What's the next one? So the next one is understand the home that you own or the home that you're going to buy. And and so this is a, comes down to that wants and needs. You know, it also comes down to understanding the difference between an investment and an asset. So my want is a big, long driveway where we can park all our guest vehicles when they come and, you know, pre-COVID come and, you know, when they come for the big lavish dinner party, none of it happens, but I don't even have a driveway. I have a small driveway. So that's a want, a need. For us as a family, our need was walking distance to a good, reputable school that we felt safe in because we have kids. So uh, a need was it had to fit my budget. And for me personally, that meant the budget included what if one of us, my husband or I, what if one of us lost our job? Could we carry the mortgage and the the cost of living in this home? So those were needs for me. The need that I have enough room in the budget to make strategic financial decisions about other goals or about homeownership. Wants are, I want... Uh, a master bedroom ensuite, maybe spa-like, didn't get that. But I do have an ensuite, so that's nice. Um, I want, uh, or I need, sorry, want, uh, um, you know, a, a, a home that's on the newer side. Yeah, I didn't get that. That's okay. But then I also move into the whole idea of what's an investment and what's an asset. An investment is something I put my money into with the expectation I'm going to get money back. The whole reason why I do it is I'm going to earn something. That's not a home. It's a it's an investment property, but it's not a home. But the home is an asset, which means I need to be very aware of what adds or detracts value from my home. And this is the important part about am I going to maintain my home properly? And unfortunately, a lot of homes in Canada that are, you know, 20, 30, 40 years old, you're looking at home maintenance that is going to start creeping up. You know, it's going to be quite costly because you've got the the roof, the windows, the the foundation, all of this 
stuff has a, an age. It has a time limit. And at some point, we're going to have to pay for a replacement repair. And those are costly. So I need to know what goes into the value of my home. Is it the nice staging that the seller provided? Or is it the fact that the windows are single pane and I have to replace every single one of them? These are important. And it's, it's important when you have to Look at the home you own or want to buy and understand the value that goes into it. Uh, I think it's easy. When we bought our first home, we knew nothing about, we just knew we wanted to buy a house. And it was so easy to walk into a house and be like, ooh, this is nice paint. Ooh, this is nice. You know what I mean? And without having like a, a realtor we trusted to be like, you want good windows, you want good roof. And we're like, oh. And then when we started buying investment property, it was like, we didn't even care what the paint looked like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's so many things you're just like, it doesn't matter. It, like, you know, we want the good bones and stuff like that. And so it's hard when you're the first time homeowner right? um, to just like think of all those things. So I think that's a really good understanding the home that you own or the one that you want to buy is great. What's the next tip? So the next step is, and this is when we get into more of the, the actual smart home ownership is understanding and setting a budget for your household expenses. And this can be really overwhelming, even for current homeowners, because they're like, I don't, I, don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm spending. I just know the money goes out. So, I mean, over time, I've tried to put together spreadsheets and cheat sheets, et cetera. And in my book, I actually sort of break it down. The typical um, rule of thumb, which I kind of debunk, but the typical rule of thumb is, you know, one to 5% of your home's value is what you should be setting aside. The reason why I kind of debunk it is, well, home values are kind of divorced from the idea of affordability now. And so you've got a million dollar home. Nobody's setting aside, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 in home maintenance a year. Nobody. And nobody's spending that. Well, I hope you're not. And if you are, please get in contact with me. I want to go through your budget and see what's happening. But you want to get a, a, at least some idea. And there's a lot of information out there where you can sort of benchmark your costs and understand what is it that I'm paying paying out. And if I, I see an extraordinary cost, you know, some people... A benchmark is $150 for, say, a gas bill. Uh, and I'm paying $450. That's something I need to take a look at. Do I have a very old furnace that's really costing me a lot of money? And now I can start to see ways, and that's another point that I, I go through in the book, but ways to actually save money and probably help my myself and the environment. So it's kind of, you know, threefold approach there. But I want to look at ways to 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 benchmark the, the expenditures, the expenses, and then also to see ways to save later on. So I'm setting myself up by understanding how much home ownership is going to cost me, the fact that it is, you know, there is a cost and how much of my money should be going to that cost. And it's also important for people that are about to buy a home because when we move from being a renter to a homeowner, we don't realize all the extra costs. Well, if I buy a house at the maximum budget my bank is going to lend me, I have not factored in. Now, all of a sudden, my dog is going to go without food because I don't have enough money to buy the food because I've got all these. I want to have a very realistic expectation of what I need to spend as a homeowner to understand the costs that go into it and, and the money and the and the time that goes into it. And it definitely, I think the time is a good piece too. Like the t- And you don't even realize like all these things. It's like, oh yeah, the cable and the internet and the this and the that. And when you're renting, all that's included. And you're like, what do you mean I got to pay property taxes? What do you mean I got to, you know, all these things that come up. So I can, uh, trying to get a realistic number of that is tough. Especially when that first year, I feel like there was so many expenses that came at us that we didn't expect. Uh, and it's, I mean, that's the tough bit is the first year is always, I always tell the first time home buyers when they buy the first year, it's going to be a hard year. It's going to hurt in so many levels, but it does get easier. It gets more manageable. It won't always be like this. My brother was 
He had bought a condo, but not a home. And he and his wife bought a home. And he, even he, because he moved from a condo, which is more like a rental apartment, into a home. He was just like, no, I got to buy this and I get that. And my wife wants AC now. And it's like, we don't have the budget for AC. Like He was just like, but it, it does. It does hurt. That first year really hurts. Especially when you're figuring out your house and you're learning all the things because they all have their own little quirks and you know what I mean? So yes. absolutely, totally get that. Uh, so setting a budget. Another great tip. What is the next one? So the next one is, is renovations and upgrades. Oh, yay. I get to upgrade my home. Yes, yes, you do. And, and again, going back to the whole idea of why do we renovate? Why do we upgrade our home? It doesn't always have to be for financial reasons. And in fact, I argue against the idea of trying to justify your home reno because it'll add value to your home. Yes, there's a very strong p- potential or possibility that it could, but it's never dollar for dollar. In fact, typically most home renovations are not. You actually spend more than you get back. And, you know, people always say, well, what about that house? It's sold for, you know, $200,000 more than this. Yes. But if you look at the overall lifespan of the cost of the home, cost of the renos, what the person actually earned, nine times out of 10, the person that didn't do those massive grand home renos will get more back on a percentage basis. So we don't do home renos just for value add. We also do them for lifestyle ad. And a lot of times, and this is kind of how I approach it, a lot of times when we look at the lifestyle ad, we're we're addressing a problem that the home has that'll actually appeal to the next buyer. And that home is actually worth more when you start to solve those problems. Those are the homes that people walk into and go, oh, it has everything. Oh, they've thought of everything. And they're the ones that command the highest price almost irrationally because they're the ones that have actually fixed all the issues because it's a lifestyle thing. I didn't like no storage. I didn't like the noise on the street. I didn't like the unfenced yard that the dog did kept disappearing. We fixed all those problems. Everything's been done. It checks all off all the needs and wants. I love it. I'm going to make an offer. Yeah, that was us. So when we bought our current home, we renoed. Like we gutted the whole upstairs floor. We're like, we want an open floor plan. We want it for our family. We had good bones and we just gutted it and put an island in. And we're like, we didn't, like we cared about the cost because we had to budget for it and afford it. But it was just like, we're not doing this for any form of resale value. This is for us to make it livable for the next, you know, 10 decades. Who knows how long we're going to be here. And now it's way more functional. I mean, we never once thought about resale value when we were doing that. And, and nor should you. And th- this is the funny thing. If people want to like, oh, I need that new kitchen. It's going to cost me 40000 Plus it'll add to the home. You're not selling for five or 10 years. You don't think your, your home up, uh, kitchen upgrade is going to be a bit dated. Of course, it's going to be dated. You'll have to put a little bit more money just to update it. So it's okay to renovate for our needs. And I, th- I think it's great that you gutted the, and made it open concept because you love your home. You spend time in your home, right? And it works for us, right? Like it makes it functional for us. And that's what it's about. So totally get that. Uh, what's our next tip? Uh, next tip is, is you know, the one that we're all interested in now because of climate change, but it's, you know, find opportunities to save. And this can be as simple as, do I need to shop once a year for all of the, the things that go into home costs, whether it be, we obviously can't shop for electricity, but is there ways that I can save on electricity by buying timers and plugs and, and what have you? Um, are there ways that I can put in heat recovery unit? Can I find ways to insulate my water, you know, 50, I think it's $50 blanket around your hot water tank can, can save you hundreds of dollars a year. So find ways to save. And the great thing is, is that because a lot of those ways are tied to rebates that help with the environment, you can actually upgrade your home, make it more energy efficient, lower your heating, your electricity, all your costs, and still get an incentive from different levels of governments to do this. So that $5,000 furnace is now suddenly 3,500 because you've got those rebates back. That makes it far more appealing. And on a year by year basis, that 3,500, it only takes you three, four years to make back that money. I'm assuming you're at home a lot 
and have high gas bills. But, you know, you're looking at the ways where you can save in the short term and the long run and then planning strategically how we're going to do those upgrades and renos for maximum input. It's one of the reasons why my husband and I, when we move into a home, almost every single time we've upgraded that really old uh, furnace. Why? Because we're going to be living here long enough that we want that savings immediately. And then over time, you know, as it as we do other things, we can look at the more cosmetic changes or the other changes that are, don't have as big an impact on our ongoing costs as homeowners. And I appreciate the fact that you mentioned the grant programs because there are federal ones, there's some provincial ones. In our cities, we have municipal ones. And um, we've taken advantage of some of that and did some upgrades to our place because it was like, oh, this is going to save us, you know, heating costs down the road. And with all the utility bills going up exponentially, it seems like lately, it definitely makes sense to make those smarter choices, you know, even changing light bulbs or shower heads. Like it seems so small, but it makes such a big difference when it's compounded. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. These are awesome. I'm writing all of these down. I'm taking notes as we go. Uh, we, I think we're at number six. What's the next tip? So number six was uh, take control of debt. This this is a hard one to, to like unpack in a short amount of time. But the, the overall goal I have for this chapter or for this is to help people understand debt isn't a four-letter bad word. It is a word. And we put our own subjective or, 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 or you know spin on it. So what do I mean by that? I had to go to university. I didn't have to. I chose to go to university. But I did not have tens of thousands saved up in my bank account. I had a small amount that I'd saved through the summer's work. And I had to take out student loans. That's a debt. Was it a bad debt? No, it was a smart debt. Why? Because I got into a profession that I loved. I made an earnings that allowed me to pay back that debt. And I've been able to earn more exponentially because I invested using debt to get an education. Is debt buying a home a bad thing? Yes. And no, this is where it becomes a little hard. Yes and no. No, it's not bad because you're getting uh, other people's money to leverage and buy high value assets. That's good. But the debt that we pay, so we pay interest on the mortgage debt, is not a tax deductible expense, that's bad. So this is where it becomes a little bit more complicated. So what do I what do I do? Well, I want to get rid of bad debt. So consumer debt, buying a, a sofa, not great. Non-tax deductible debt, uh, stay interest on a mortgage, not great. How do I do that? Find strategies to, to, to actually make it tax deductible. So I actually talk about methods or strategies that homeowners can use where they can take their non-tax deductible mortgage interest debt and actually turn it into tax deductible debt. That's important. And I think it's important to to sort of understand. But the overall message or the overall idea is change the way you think about debt to understand that strategic use of debt is smart when when it's part of a wealth accumulation plan. Just taking on debt without a plan, that's not the the ideal. And that's what I'm trying to dissuade people from doing. I want you to think about debt as part of a toolkit and use it smartly so that you can actually grow your own wealth as opposed to worrying about paying off someone else or doing this. Use, look at it holistically so you understand exactly why you're paying interest on one debt rather than the other debt. And real, like the the best example I can think of is real estate. You know, investing in real estate is it's debt. I mean, we're real estate investors. We have millions of dollars in debt, but I sleep at night because I know someone else is paying off that debt. There's enough assets to cover. You know what I mean? Like there's so many ways to look at it. So yes. uh, yeah, leverage can be really to your advantage when used appropriately, obviously. It can also be very dangerous. And I think that's actually one of the advantages of real estate investment. It has prompted more people to look at real estate and leverage in a good light, like debt in a good light. I think we just need more people to understand you don't need to be a real estate investor to change the way you look at debt as a homeowner and make it a, a more strategic tool for you to use. So you don't have to, I love, I mean, I'm a real estate investor. You're a real estate. We, we've like, we baked the cake. We're eating it. We're totally. We drank the Kool-Aid. Yeah, <laughs> totally. 
But you don't have to be a real estate investor to change the way you think and use debt to your advantage. And that's kind of why I wrote that chapter is like, hey, you don't need to invest in real estate, but you do have an asset. Use it. Use the debt. Use the asset to your advantage. And I wish I would have known that with our first property. Uh, when we like we did, I like there were so many things that we learned afterwards. But you learn, and I think this book is great for that kind of thing because you do learn as you go, sort of thing. So absolutely. Yes. All right. What is the next tip? So the next one is the unsexiest top ever, and it's to use home insurance to your advantage. I put that in there because I was trying to make a, you know, I wanted a, a complete holistic approach to home ownership. I also put that in there because a lot of people get, you know, trapped or shocked by home 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 insurance costs, particularly because they keep going up every year. They go, oh, I didn't make a claim. Why is this going up? You know, three, five, fifteen percent every year. So I, I talk a little bit about, you know, the reasons why it's important. Most of us, when we get a mortgage, we're required to get home insurance. So a lot of people, when they start paying down their mortgage or pay off their mortgage completely, they think that's a cost that they can omit. I strongly suggest you don't. A lot of reasons why that home insurance is a really smart, strategic risk you know, mitigation tool. And it's it's one of those things where I hope to never use it. And actually, I have never used my home insurance. But if I have to, and I do know people that I have had to, thank goodness it's there. I mean, it is there to sort of mitigate the worst possible financial catastrophe. And we often look at it like, well, we lost our home. Yes, but you lost your home. You have this mitigation tool that won't put you in financial purgatory where you'll never climb out of it again. Absolutely. And I think with all of the like natural disasters that we're seeing and like, I just think about like the forest fires in Fort Mac or something like that, where it's like a lot of these things are not in your control. You don't know like when your basement's going to flood or what's going to happen, you know? And just to have that peace of mind, it always shocks me when people don't have insurance. I'm just like, how, how would you, I could not sleep. I, for me, no, can do it. And even tenants, like get tenant insurance now. It's 25, 25, 20, 25, it's not a lot. And the nice thing is you actually start building up a relationship and history and start becoming familiar with something that's really important. It's so hard to read insurance documents. I read them and I hate them and I'm familiar with them. I can't imagine someone else getting going, what does this mean? But it's important because when you do read them, you find those like, what do you mean I'm capped coverage for $50,000, you know, in a, a flood in my basement? $50,000 won't go very far if I have a flood in my bit. And then you start making inquiries and realize, oh, I'm paying for less coverage than I could get elsewhere. I probably should make that. Now that's a really smart way to use insurance. And that's why I, I talk about that. Absolutely. And shop around because it's not all the same is what we found for sure. Um, and all these different deals or discounts you might be able to eligible for. So absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I still milk my university association. It's like, are you filling with? Yes, I am. Discount on my insurance. Exactly. There's so many, so many discounts. I know I, a few years ago, I switched over our insurance and it was like, there's discounts for this and discounts we didn't even know there were discounts for. Like, it's crazy what they do. Uh, what is number eight? So the, the number eight is the one that, you know, we all love, love to figure out. How do I use my home to save on taxes? And most people as homeowners don't actually consider their home as a tool to help them save or at least smooth out the tax. So it's about tax planning. And one of the reasons why this is really important is taxes make up a huge chunk of our budget. You know, I think it's anywhere from 20 to 50%, depending on what, what tax bracket goes to paying taxes. So you want to use every tool you have to try and lower that, that burden, that budget burden. I run through a lot of the taxes that are, you might be, you know, eligible for. I just, again, it's that idea of the holistic look at the home and understand, oh, you know, I could probably claim if I spend it, you know, maybe an extra 15, 20, even 30 minutes and claim a few of my home insurance, my home uh, expenses, I could save on taxes because I, I have a home-based business. I have a home-based office. I have this, I have 
understanding all of that, understanding as a homeowner what you're eligible to claim and 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 to actually lower your taxes can save you money. People are always like, oh, I don't want to bother with that. Okay, great. Go get an accountant. That, you know, $500, $1,000, I bet you anything you make it up. You know, even if you don't make it up in the first year because you've got all this information to catch up on, in the years to come, you'll make it up. They'll find ways to help you and you'll be, you'll feel better knowing that your home is a tool to help you save on taxes. And it always surprises me when people are like, oh, I don't want to put in that little extra effort. And it's like, but that's money. You're leaving money on the table. You'll put the extra, you'll, you know, drive for an extra 10 minutes to save three cents on gas, but you don't want to save, you know, hundreds of dollars. 20 minutes around the block to find free parking. Exactly. But- I don't want to spend an hour just reading this and saying, I don't understand. Okay, I'll read it again. Just an hour. And you can probably find, you know, that $25 you're going to not spend on paid parking, right? So totally. All right. What is the last tip? So the last tip is, I mean, it's kind of a cheat, cheat, but uh, the last tip honestly is start living your life. Stop living by the market. And, And really the reason why I sum it up this way is because you can give all this practical, practical, good advice to people. You can point them in directions, but in the end, it's always, but is now a good time to buy? How do I know that now is a good time to buy? And you're like, you know what? That's a really good question, but it is really case dependent and it's got nothing to do with where the market's at. And uh, if you don't, if you don't mind, I'll just give you an anecdotal story. We left, we made a decision as a family that we were going to leave Toronto and come to Vancouver for lifestyle reasons. No other reason. We just wanted to be on the West coast. We're West coast kind of people. I, I mean, I didn't eat quinoa when I got here, but now I eat quinoa. We're really West coast people, mountains, everything. So we get here. It's, you know, we're looking to buy. It's the hottest market they've seen. Prices are astronomical. It's now 2017 spring market. We buy a house. You're fools. You should have waited. Well, we didn't. We chose to pay a premium to buy in a neighborhood where we could get into a school district that we really liked. And we have not regretted that decision whatsoever. But it's top of the market. Fast forward 12 months. We get our tax assessment. We are literally 100000 less than what we paid for the house. <gasps> People are following me. Are you worried? Oh, my God. It's, it's worth less. No. Well, it's worth less. I don't care. I wasn't going to sell this year. I'm not crystallizing any losses. I don't have to worry about it. I chose to pay the premium. I'm okay with it. Fast forward a couple of years now, it's you know made up that 100000 and some. Again, are you happy? No, I don't care. I wasn't buying based on the market. I was buying based on our plan. And our plan included what fit in our financial budget, what helped us achieve our financial goals or our, our overall goals, which included home ownership, included retirement saving, included you know savings for our children, including lifestyle. We live, we have lots of gear. We're a very gear heavy family. So that a lot of our budget goes to gear. And so we have all of these things that we wanted to achieve and we did it by not worrying about whether or not we were going to time the market. And I, I had the same advice to my brother who argued with me, <laughs> despite the fact that I had many years in this, he argued that he knew better and said, well, Why are you phoning for my advice? Don't ask my advice. In the end, I walked him through and he was willing to pay $10,000 more than he thought the home was worth. And then he phoned me a month later, said, we did the right thing. We did. We made the right decision. The market's going up again. I was like, oh, that's good. I just was like, stop time in the market. If it's the house that checks all the list and it fits your budget, then it's the right time to buy. Absolutely. And I think you made a great point as far as not crystallizing gains or losses. Oftentimes people are like, what about the value of your house? I'm like, I'm not selling. I do not care what the value of my house does. And if anything, I like when the value goes down when the property assessments, because that means less property tax, right? Like I was like, oh, your house dropped. I'm like, uh, I'm paying less of property tax. I don't care, <laughs> right? And if you're not going to, even any kind of market, if you're not buying or selling, it doesn't matter what the price does. I We never even check the value. We don't care. We're happy here. That's all that matters. A hundred percent. I mean, and the same applies for people that are renting. You know, oh, it's a waste of money to rent. 
No, it's not. There are really smart reasons to rent. If you're in transit, if you're you have a new career and you're just settling, you might not it might not be the good time to buy. If you do buy, have a, a short-term, mid-term, long-term strategy for that property. Like really think about the reasons. But I'm I'm I mean, I rented. I wish I didn't rent as long because I wish I had all, you know some of the knowledge I have now. But I look back and I realize there was a time when I was going to pull the trigger on, on buying a condo in Toronto when I was about 23 years old. And we got all the way almost right to the end, 11th hour, and I pulled out because I wasn't sure. And sure enough, I think six months later, I left that career that I was doing. I went back to university and I, I, I did the career that I'm in now, you know, and I'm very happy and I'm so grateful because if I bought that condo, I may have felt trapped at having to stay in a career that I didn't want to because I had those bills. So it's it's not just about, well, what's the financially right thing to do? What's right in the market? It's overall that goes back to that plan. So my the last step, you know, sort of wind it back is, Live your life. Stop timing the market. This is about your plan, not you know what the market says. The market noise you can ignore. I think uh, I I agree with you. I'm just like sitting here being like I drank the Kool Aid. I'm right on you. I like preach. I'm right there. I think a lot of these tips are great. I think you don't think about them, especially as a first time homeowner. Like now, having owned multiple properties, it's a little bit different. But these are all super actionable tips. I know I was taking notes. I'm gonna probably watch this a few times. People are gonna want to watch this a few times. Um, if people want to learn more about you or connect with you, how can they connect with you? Probably the easiest way is just my my website, romanaking.com. Uh, um, and it should be somewhere on the site that we can find. And yeah, and if you have questions, I don't always get a chance to answer my emails, but people across Canada and actually North America will tell you, if you send me an email with a problem and for whatever reason it piques my interest and I have room that day, oftentimes I take you on as a, like a little pet project that nobody hears about. And I walk you through whatever's going on. And I often get a lot of good information by real world problem. So I like to hear about stuff. And if I can, I will help. And if I can't, I'll try and forward you to do whatever you can or, or try and give you some you know, guidelines of where you can go to get advice. Because really, this is all of us are just trying to help each other make better decisions about this, right? Awesome. So Ramana, I want to thank you again for your time. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.